Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Blue and Gold, a Superman and Booster Gold podcast. And hopefully you all recognize that end credits theme. That was the end credits theme for Smallville. So this episode of Blue and Gold is going to be all about Smallville. I'm going to be talking about some my general overall thoughts of the series. I just finished up a week, uh, rewatch of Smallville. And then specifically for the Booster Gold section, I'm going to be talking more in depth about the season 10, episode 18 episode of Smallville Booster, which is all about, you guessed it, Booster Gold. So another quite um, uh, episode with a lot of synergy. You know, you can put this right up there with my episodes on Justice League action, Convergence, right? I did a, no, no, uh, uh, did I, yeah, I did an episode on Convergence. Sorry, I'm getting <laughs> myself confused. So... Before I do any of that, this is not... I, do, I typically do not cover news on this show. This is sort of supposed to be a show. It doesn't matter when you listen to it. You can listen to this show, you know, three years in the future. Or, you know, it's 2021 as I record this, but, you know, you could be listening to this in 2025. And these topics... I try to pick topics that are typically interesting, um, but not of a particular time period. <clears throat> but there's a couple of bigger pieces of news that I just wanted to... A couple of bigger things for Superman that I just wanted to, to mention very quickly. And one is the Superman and Lois show. So the new show on the CW, sort of a spinoff from Supergirl. Uh, or is it? I'm going to be talking about that. And uh, just a couple of quick takes. Um, and then I'll be talking about they announced a new writer for the new Superman movie. And so I'm going to talk about these quickly. Um, it's going to date this episode of this show, but hey. Oh, well. <laughs> um, so Lois and Clark, the premiere or the season, the series premiere was last week. The episode, um, the second episode two aired tonight. It, uh, but I wanted to record this episode first before I actually, I have not actually seen episode two. So all of these takes are just on the pilot. So I want to see, and I'll be very curious if my thoughts here tonight, my thoughts on the show hold true for season two. Oh, and even since I wrote my notes um, last night for the show and there's been even news since that. So they, they renewed to season two, they renewed super Superman and Lois for season two. So we're getting more episodes. So that's, that's, uh, cool. So I'm going to kind of breeze through this cause I might dedicate a whole episode to Lois and, or to Superman and Lois. We'll see, uh, maybe after the season, the, se the season's over. I thought the pilot was excellent. I really, really loved the pilot. I think they nailed it. And I love how cinematic this show looks. They shoot it in widescreen. It's not the regular 1.78 um, aspect ratio. You know, fills a regular wide, um, fills a regular modern day TV. Um, it has a more cinematic look from the aspect ratio is wider. You know, you have the black bars on the top and bottom for this show adds to that cinematic feel. But the cinematography itself, the the look of the show just has a cinematic quality to it that I really, really appreciate because I've watched Supergirl ever since season one and I thought Supergirl was a decent show that I think has gotten worse with every single season. And I just recently finished up season five and that show is sort of an ugly show to look at, I think. I don't think... When you look at it, it's something that's it, it's sort of serviceable. It does the job for TV, but it's serviceable. 
and and I think the Flash is a little bit better. So comparing other CW shows, but this show, we'll see if episode two holds up. So everything I'm talking about is only about the pilot, pilot only. Um, but this, but the episode just looks so cinematic. It looked like a movie. I mean, from the from a cinematography standpoint. Um, I really like Tyler Hecklin as Superman, and even more so in this. I, I'll be honest, I didn't dislike him, but I was never, I never super warmed up to him on Supergirl. Um, I thought he was okay on Supergirl, but this show, like he nails it in this show, and everyone, Bitsy Tulak as Lois, the the actors who play the boys. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go into all the details of names and everything. Um, so I'm sorry I'm not giving the sons their due. I'm not calling out their names. Um, but they do a fantastic job. I love that this is a family show. Not a family show like Seventh Heaven was a family show, but a show about a family. This is, you know, it's, it's not melodrama sort of the way that Seventh Heaven was. I mean, it, it is a superhero show. So there is, you know, there's superhero elements that aren't present in a regular, completely um, serious drama, but this show is about a family and it's about, it's not about Superman alone. It's not about Superman and Lois, quite like Lois and Clark was. It is about a family. And I think that's fantastic. And I think on a previous episode, I talked about how much I like John, Jonathan Kent in the comics, especially during the Peter Tomasi run. And I think that this show really nails that feel of Superman being a father, but not only a father to one, now he's got twins and oh i'm gonna be giving spoilers so uh beware i mean this show i i never go into the show not with spoilers <laughs> um but they have twins the 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 more introverted social anxiety one he's the one that turns out to have powers although there's hints that the other one has that the other twin has powers the more jack football um that he has powers, especially if you watch the opening scene again. Like my, I watched the show live last Tuesday, but my wife watched it last night because I asked her if she was going to watch it and if she wanted to start watching the show with me or if this is a show that I'm going to watch completely on my own. And so she watched the pilot last night, and I um, watched most of it with her, and I saw most of the opening montage. And they, <clears throat> when Clark is sort of talking about his life and – coming to earth and getting married and then having kids and, and, uh, you know, all done within six minutes, I think it is or so, but there's a, there's definitely a shot of Jonathan. So Jonathan is the, is the sports athlete. And then we have Jordan who is more of the, the introvert. And, um, there's a shot of Jonathan throwing a football and he's trying to get it through a, uh, uh, a tire, a tire swing, and he doesn't, but but he nails the rope that's hanging in the tire swing, and the rope just, you know, the football just flies through the rope. And I mean, that seems to me like there are some powers there uh, to be able to throw the football. I mean, it could be an old, you know, old uh, rope, frail rope, you know, getting ready to break anyways. But it didn't seem like it, and so we'll see, we'll see. Um, I really hope they can keep up this level of quality, and I want to briefly talk about okay. So I'm I'm gushing on the show. I think the show is fantastic. It's been it got such good ratings that it's been renewed for season two. But I want to take a minute here to talk about. I did a little bit of research. So everybody's saying I'm you know I'm seeing online like how well the ratings are. And I wanted to just put some of this in perspective for myself that just how fractured. I mean, 
choice upon choice upon choice. We we all said growing up, you know, that we wanted more choice, like we'd love to have more shows. I mean, more choice is never a bad thing. Um, but now there's a million shows. Everybody's attention's on on this, that. I mean, there is no, like, like, like the super giant hit shows are rare because you have to pry people's attention away from all the 18 other million shows that are on. So this show is getting praise for how, and it's being touted as the CW's highest rate, um, rated show since the Batwoman premiere in 2019. First of all, that's being touted as something that's a good thing, right? That it's the highest um, rated show since the Batwoman premiere of 2019. Well, we all know 2020 was a sh- was a crap show with uh, COVID. So, I mean, I don't know how many season premieres um, or just, you know, that the CW had, but how much competition was there, has there been so far for ratings? Um, so, first of all, saying that you're the highest rated show since a show that premiered in 2019, that's not saying that much to me. And then I looked into it. So, the show got... One Superman and Lois premiere got 1.71 million viewers. Let's compare this to Smallville, which premiered 20 years ago in 2001. That got 8.4 million viewers on the CW, or at the time, the WB. And so, you know, comparing to Smallville is apt because we're going to be talking about Smallville in this episode. But 1.71 million, so one and three quarter million for Superman and Lois versus 8.4 for Smallville. Like Smallville blew it out of the water compared comparatively. And like, and then and and, and Smallville season ten averaged 3.2, 3.19 million viewers. So still quite a bit more than the 1.71 Superman premiered with, and that's in season ten of Smallville. And Smallville averaged at its, and I'm getting all this information from Wikipedia, by the way, uh, just uh, just to be transparent there. Um, and Smallville at its lowest point was season nine, and it was averaging 2.18, so basically 2.2 million viewers, which is still 500,000 more than watched the Superman and Lois premiere, which is being touted as this great premiere for ratings. And so it's just interesting just how I'm not going to say it's not good ratings, um, but it's just interesting how times have changed and and what's considered a success and what's considered what viewership is considered as a, a, a success versus in the past. Um, Supergirl for and let's um, sticking with, you know, the CW Arrowverse Supergirl on CBS premiered in 2015 to just about 13 million, so 12.96. Just well, might as well just call it 13 million viewers compared to Superman and Lois's 1.71. So, oh, six times as many viewers watched the Supergirl season uh, series premiere, and it averaged 1.58 million in season five, which I thought was not a good season. Uh, and actually, I should take back a quick statement I said earlier where I thought Supergirl got worse and worse as it's gone. I do think season five was has been the worst season, but I actually think season four was decent. I thought season four was pretty good um, for the most part. I mean, there's episodes here or there that I didn't think were great, but I do think season four was was pretty good of Supergirl. Um, so then, so Supergirl premiered 
six times as higher and at its lowest, you know, season five, it was still just slightly under, you know, um, a hundred, 150,000 or so under, uh, Superman and Lois. Now Lois and Clark going all the way back to 1993. So 28 years ago, Lois and Clark. Now, of course, this is on cable TV or, um, network TV, ABC, much fewer options. There's, um, far less options, more, less, less things that probably people away, people's attention away, no Netflix. But in 1993, Lois and Clark was averaging. I I actually couldn't find the average, what the season, the series premiere was, because I bet this, I bet that blew even this number out of the water. But season one of Lois and Clark was averaging 18 million viewers in season one in 1993, 18 million compared to Superman and Lois is 1.7. And during it's not, you know, I'm going to say horrible, but I need to rewatch Lois and Clark, but it's Lois and Clark season four was averaging 9.7 million, which is outrageous for today's numbers. And it was canceled. Like they would be jumping for joy at the CW if they could get 9.7 million um, from, from pro- probably any show, but and and I and I'm not saying this. I, I'm not trying to be a, a Debbie Downer. I'm just trying to put things into perspective. And partially it was um, enlightening for me because I knew, you know, I know viewership is down for you know on a, on any individual show. Um, I mean, viewership is probably up in terms of total, you know, viewership of all media because there's a lot more media to consume. But on any given show, what's considered as a success, the bar is lower. And it was just it was just interesting to me to to check that out. And to see. So, all that said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take it away. I think you know it's I'm I'm think episode one was fantastic. I loved everything about it. The only thing that I that and and I even really liked the music. The music was very cinematic. My wife even asked me during last night's when she was watching it. She said, "Is Hans Zimmer doing the music for this?" And I and, and I chuckled. I'm like, "No, Hans Zimmer's not doing a, a pilot for the CW." Um, but she even took note that it sounds very cinematic. The only thing is that there is not a recognizable um, super triumphant theme yet. I mean, having rewatched episode one with her last night, like there's definitely like a theme there, but it's sort of a subtle thing that you can't, it's, you know, after an episode, I didn't walk away. I'm not humming it. And so it would have been, I actually did quite like the, Superman theme that was given to Tyler Hecklin, Superman and Supergirl, but they're not using that. And so this is a quick take. I'm not going to spend that much more time on this, but I do want to say one thing that I hope, and not because I don't like Supergirl, what I'm, I'm about to say, like I've watched Supergirl since episode one of the show and I'm still watching. Um, but I hope that this show does its own thing and doesn't, it didn't reference Kara or anything in episode one. It was his, it was its own thing, and I really appreciate that. Especially as you know, partially because I think the quality is lowered on Supergirl, but partially because this is doing so. It did such a good job that I want it to sort of be its own thing. Not everything needs to be connected to a big universe. I mean, the Joker, um, or twenty or you know, twenty nineteen. Was it twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? The Joaquin Phoenix Joker, it's on its own. It's, it's, you know, it was a, I mean, and debatable, you know, how much of it's truly Joker, Batman's not there, all those things aside. 
we don't have to have everything connected. And I quite liked that this stood on its own um, and had nothing to do with the CW verse, the Arrowverse, that it's, it's its own thing. And I really hope it probably won't be the case because I, di- I didn't quite pick up on this on my first viewing. But again, on the second viewing last night with my wife, like Captain Luthor, you know, he mentions that he, the place he comes from doesn't exist anymore. There's probably something to do with crisis on a, um, the crisis crossover is probably going to play a role on Lois and, or on Superman and Lois somehow. But my, if I had my druthers, it would be completely separate and have nothing to do with it. I mean, and there's, you know, there'd, there'd, there'd be people who were confused by that. Oh, it, you know, he was on Supergirl, but it's not the same one as on Superman and Lois. Well, I mean, it was Crisis on Infinite Earths. I mean, essentially, this is post-Crisis Superman versus Supergirl was pre-Crisis Superman. They're completely are different characters until we're told otherwise by the show or, or whatever. But right now, it's, you know, um, there's a line in the sand, and that was Crisis, the Crisis crossover. And we had, then we, you know, prior to that, we had Superman's appearances on um, in Supergirl and the Arrowverse. And now we have post-crisis and we have Superman and Lois. And I hope that this show actually stays outside of the air quote unquote Arrowverse, meaning it's, 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 you know, it's the equivalent of the black label, um, the DC black label that's going on right now where everything is sort of stands on its own in the black label. It's not part of main continuity. I kind of want this show, not kind of, I want this show to stay on and, and to live on its own merits and to, forge its own identity and not worry about other shows like, or does, you know, what's Kara doing or anything or any of that. Um, but excellent show. I really like Superman, um, the Superman costume for, for the show, but I wish that they didn't feel the need to sort of bulk him up quite as much in the chest and shoulder region. Cause he's quite bulky. Um, uh, my wife even asked, "Did they CGI him? Like he don't he wasn't he's not that big in his Clark scenes when he's just Clark." Um, and I said, "No, I think it's just a padded suit." Um, but that's my quick take on Superman and Lois. I will probably do a full sort of talk uh, post post the end of the season. I believe there's scheduled to be 15 episodes of the season, but episode two aired tonight, so. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be any skip weeks. There probably is, but, you know, 13 more weeks of the show. All right, so now let's jump and talk uh, about this Superman new movie news. First of all, we have a writer uh, whose name, uh, Tay Nahasi Coates, who who has been announced to be the writer of a new Superman movie. And I'm conflicted on how I feel about this because I like Henry Cavill and I think it's almost guaranteed that Henry Cavill is out um, as the next Superman or as continuing on as Superman. And then, um, oh, before I go too much, J.J. Abrams is producing, but that doesn't mean much to me. I quite like, in general, I like J.J. Abrams and what and the work he's done. He's done fantastic movies. I, you know, Super 8 is awesome and then i like his star trek movies um especially number one um and then two's two's you know two's okay uh but especially number one and i like his star trek or his star wars movies and so i i'm not a jj abrams um hater i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a fanboy either but i quite like his stuff but the big news i think in the more the 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 news that 
is really on the, you know on everybody's minds is Tainahasi Coates. Now he's a writer who is known for for really being a a advocate and proponent. Well, he's an African American, and he really a lot of his writing has has had to do with um, African Americanness, I would say, and. Some of his nonfiction stuff has been talking about struggles in the United States. And I mean, that's on, you know, that is a big part of our culture right now is, is what's going on with race relations and all, and I'm not going to get into any, I don't want to get into all that right now. Um, But he has, he's a prolific writer uh, and he's also done some comics. So he was, he's a writer on, or he's had, a couple of runs on Black Panther and a run on Captain America. What's interesting is that um, barely any of the articles that I'm seeing make note that his Captain America run was with the Sam Wilson, so the um, the Falcon, um, when he becomes Captain America. Now I'm reading this. I haven't. I read. I read that in an article myself, so I have not verified th- that. But. Uh, I believe that his Captain America run was also uh, with a black protagonist, and this is all to say that first, of, first of all, I, I want to say I'm cautiously excited, and I say cautiously because I'm still processing how I feel about it. Because on one hand, you have people who say like Superman should be black, or you know, if you're afraid of Superman not being Caucasian, then you're you know you're racist or whatever the extremes people want to go to. But what I my take is, hey, this character has been portrayed a certain way, and if you make him a, another race, if it makes him a different character. And so you really have, to, you know, it forces us Superman fans to, you know, think, like, what do we like about the character? Is it, like, could anybody who has great morals and um, superpowers, can they put on a Superman suit and be called Superman? And then if we're Superman fans... Are we supposed to just accept that and move on with our lives? And if we don't, then we're racist. I mean, of course, I'm being extreme here. But it, there is a little bit of that um, you'll see in the media. But I come at it from the standpoint that, first of all, I've said, I don't think I'd, I don't have a definitive take on the Man of Steel that I would say is mine. You know, um, I love, love, love the post-crisis um, right up until about, you know, Electric Blue, um, that era. And that's not common for individuals my age, mid-30s. You know, Death of Superman was right when I, you know, hit up, you know, right when I was seven. It was, it was a really a gateway into comics for me. Um, I, sh- I should go through and talk about, I should do a Death of Superman uh, saga episode sometime. Of course, it's... Uh, my favorite storyline, but it's always like, if I do that, then, you know, I've done the best thing. I've shot my bolt, uh, so to say. Um, and if, when you, so I don't have a definitive take though. I would say I could enjoy all kinds of different takes of Superman. I'm not like, I don't think Superman has to be a certain way. I don't think he has to always necessarily do the, you know, the right thing because it's the right thing to do. I think he, I, and what I mean by that is I think he, he can be conflicted. I can take the Superman of earth one, and enjoy that storyline. I can take the Superman from Secret Origins, and I can enjoy that. And I mean, I just did an episode a little while ago about all the different origins, um, or at least a lot of them, and all the different takes. And I love an I love a good Elseworlds story. And so, I just like this character. And 
I think this would be sort of an Elseworlds story. But as you know, as Alan Moore says, they're imaginary stories, but aren't they all? And so I don't know much about. I'm leaning towards. I think they're probably going to go the Calvin Ellis route, where Superman, um, this from the multiverse, where Superman um, is the president on that Earth and very much modeled after Obama, and that would be fine. But I'm actually more and more curious about Valzad from the New 52 Earth 2 series where he was introduced. And I'm not going to go into those histories um, that much, but Valzad is is another African-American Superman that I don't know much about. I I dig his costume. He's got a really slick sort of silver costume. I I think it's really really cool looking. And I'd like to learn a little bit more about Valzad. The problem is... You know, he's a, he's a character in this Earth 2 series. And so I'd have to figure out, you know, I, I, do, I don't want to read the entire Earth 2 series. So I was just like trying to figure out, okay, what issue was he introduced in? What are his, what are his, um, I sort of liken it to the website Boosterific, which I, you know, I talk about on this show, probably the best booster gold, probably the best booster gold um, resource on, on the web. And the person who runs that blog has all the different booster gold comics and he has them ranked by whether or not booster plays a featured role or he's so he's a supporting role or he makes a cameo. Well, I would want to figure out like, what are the featured issues for Valzad? If, if those, if, if anyone listening wants to um, shoot me an email uh, at blue gold podcast at gmail.com and, you know, um, let me know like, what are some key Valzad issues to read? Cause I'd like to read, I'd like to read them. Um, but so we had this writer Tade Nahasi Coates, and so we, they are definitely there's no. I mean, I mean I shouldn't say nothing's proven until you know they make announcements, casting announcements. But it seems all but certain that we're going to get a Black Superman, and I just want to see where that goes. I'm I'm open minded to it. I want to see it. I'm cautiously excited. It is there are those conflicting feelings like you know it's sort of a bummer that we're not getting. Tra- traditional Clark Kent, but then it's like, well, we're getting, you know, I've got t- so many movies and I've got tons of comics. Like, let's see something different. And it's all part of the, you know, the, the Superman tapestry. And so, but I, I do want to recognize that I don't fault those individuals who say, this isn't Superman. Superman is Caucasian. Superman's X, Y, or Z. Because people have an image, like, I don't think it's wrong. That if a character is portrayed in a certain way, that people expect that character to be portrayed that way when there's a movie made about them. And so I can't fault people. And even though I might be open to it, if we never had a Superman movie, I probably would be bummed. I'm like, well, I, I want the classic Superman. But we've had a lot of diff- different interpretations. Zach, you know, the Snyderverse and, and, and Christopher Reeve. I mean, I mean... Tons of things. I mean, we just talking right now about Lois and uh, Superman and Lois, which is airing on the CW with a Caucasian Superman. Like, I'm fine with seeing something different, but I want to recognize that I do not think it, you're inherently bigoted or racist if you just are a little bummed out that your character's being changed because there are fundamental things about a character. I mean, if you took if if you took Indiana Jones and you had a huge Indiana Jones fan and you just made him a woman for the next movie, like the next Indiana Jones is going to be a female. Well, it changes the thing, something about fundamentally about the character. Doesn't mean it can't be a great movie. Doesn't mean it can't be awesome, 
but that is a different character than maybe you're a fan of. And and and, and I saw it. There was some. I'm. I sort of am getting off on a tangent here, but you know there was a lot of toxic, uh, toxicness from all aspects. I don't think it was coming from just one side. Um, if you knew anything about the controversy surrounding the 2016 Ghostbusters, where it was an all-female-led cast. Now, I'll be f- I was looking forward to that movie, but and it I didn't think it turned out great, but I didn't I don't think it's because they were females, but I recognize that it's on unf- it's there was so much like being lobbed at like people from both sides of the camp, people who were I mean there were sort of three different camps, I think. I think there was individuals who <clears throat> really were misogynistic and said like they should be men. Uh, and there was a, there was definitely like there was a contingent of people where there, there was a misogynistic slant to it, and then you have the people who are saying, well, they're all wrong. It doesn't matter if we do gender bending, race bending. Like, it doesn't matter. So I guess at the end of the day, what are you saying? Like if you're a fan of just the property, you can do anything you want with the characters. I I don't necessarily agree with that. <clears throat> I recognize that people can be bummed out because when you have four Ghostbusters who are men. And then they haven't had a movie since whenever Ghostbusters 2 came out. I can't. In 1990? Was that 1990? Or 89. Actually, it was 89. Uh, They haven't had a movie since 1989. And then they get a movie, and it's females. Now, it isn't because it's females, necessarily, that there's a problem for some people. It's just that they're not the character. Like, they're not the same characters. You're, You're giving us a Ghostbusters movie with completely different characters. Like, it would bum me out. I could recognize, like... I could see where you know where you could be bummed out if you were getting four different male characters, but they weren't, you know, Egon and uh, and Venkman and um, Winston and uh, Dan Aykroyd's character. I am like blanking, and I'm a huge big, I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan. Love Ghostbusters. What? It, why am I? Um, oh my god! I can't believe. Um, oh my god! I, I'm blanking. And I, I, I don't want to say that I don't have Ghostbusters cred, but I got a Ghostbusters poster in my basement. I'm a collector of every issue of the IDW series that's been going on since 2011. And I, here I am. I can't think of the Dan Aykroyd character's name. Um, Stans. Um, Stans. Uh, oh, my God. I'm going to slap myself in the face for that. I couldn't remember that character's name. But if you're just getting different characters, be it they're different because they're a different gender or be it they're different because they're just... It's just different, like they're not the same people. Um, it could be four different males, and it's just you're not getting the characters that you like. And then you're being told, "Hey, you are being misogynistic or racist or whatever it is because you don't, you're not enjoying, you know, you have a problem with the portrayal of these characters, even though you're supposed to be a fan." But you know, quote unquote, you're supposed to like any version that we that are that's just thrown at you. It doesn't matter. If the version that you like is a classic version, and but you're supposed to have no issues when they make big, giant differences that just fundamentally make that character a different character. So rant, rant over there. Um, so, so hopefully I'm getting my point across that I, I think there's definitely a contingent of fans who are going to be racist truly to their core racist about this Tay Nahasi Coates um the writer but then there's going to be people who have an issue just because it's they they don't have any malice or bigotry in their hearts but they just 
it's not the Superman that they're a fan of. It's a, it is fundamentally a different character. And I just want to recognize that I understand that viewpoint. And I feel fortunate actually that I don't, I'm not so steadfast in my Superman ways that I can enjoy almost any incarn incarnation of Superman. And so I'm sure I would, I'll enjoy this movie just because it's more Superman. Give me, give me more Superman and why not have it be a big budget, unique version? I mean, I love, I love the comics. I love Elseworlds where we get different takes on the character, different, different histories, different, you know, but you know, it sort of makes you ask like what, and I sort of brought this up at the beginning, like what makes Superman Superman and I've enjoyed Elseworlds. So I see no reason why, why I wouldn't enjoy a new film, but you know, I said this was going to be quick takes 30 minutes in to this show, 33 minutes in. All right, let's get to talking about Smallville. So Smallville has a very special place in my heart, not because it's my favorite take, although I do quite like it. Um, I really do like Smallville. I think Smallville is a really great show, but it's got about five great seasons in the span of 10 seasons. Um, I think for, I think across the entire show for all the, if you took all the, it's over 200 episodes. If you took all the like filler episodes, all the episodes that don't advance the mythology are not so good. Um, you, you know, you cut those out and then you get a solid five seasons of an excellent Superman show. But the reason I say it holds us a very special place in my heart is because being a Superman fan, this show went through probably what is good what was the most formative time in my life like those 10 years i mean 10 years is a long time for anyone things change life changes but when this show premiered in 2001 i was a junior in high school and when this show ended in 2010 i was married and owned my own home and so i went through in that span of 10 years i graduated high school I graduated college. I met my wife, or you know, I, I met the woman who would, who would become my wife. I got married. I graduated from graduate school. Bought my bought my first house. Um, I mean, those are big change. I mean, when I look at that span of ten years, I don't. It's going to be tough to to really have that sort of personal growth in my own life for any ten years. Now, I mean, there's huge things like I've since the show's ended, I've had my kids um, and I've since bought another house and moved. But I don't think those things combined sort of um, are as monumental. I mean, ha trust me, having kids is truly monumental. It's probably like the the thing in my life is having my two kids. Um, but I don't think life is as different now 10 years after Smallville ended. And it's funny that I'm doing this episode now because I can talk about Smallville was 10 years and it's been 10 years since it's been off the air. But I definitely have not had as much change in my life in these past 10 years as I had in those previous 10 years. Like if I look at where I started at, in 2001 and where I was ended up in 2011 and then, um, and then where I was in 2011 versus where I am now, I don't think there's as much that's changed. You know, I have different job but and and i am living in a different house and i have two kids so i mean there actually is a lot there but i think just i went through those very formative years <clears throat> during during smallville 
so it has a really sort of special place in in my life. Um, the ups and downs with the show, and it definitely was not consistent. So let's dive in a little bit. Um, there's really three eras of this show. I think there's you know there's seasons one through four, the high school era, and then there's I was thinking about should I call it the college years or what should I call the next era, but it's tough because. Clark actually leaves college after a little while, but I'll just call it the post high school era from about seasons five through seven. And then there's really um, seasons eight, nine, and 10, which are basically, you could just change the name of the show to Metropolis at that point. Uh, there's very little time spent at Smallville, in, in Smallville proper. Um, and I think this show is excellent. Tom Welling makes a fantastic Clark Kent. And I'm not going to – I'm doing this in this episode. You know, I reserve the right to have any follow-up episodes uh, about Smallville. Uh, so, but I'm going to stay very surface level um, for now just because there's a lot to cover. But I think Tom Welling was a really great casting choice. And from the pilot to the series finale, I think he was – excellent in this show and it's interesting to like see how he bulked up and how he he grew over those those 10 years he was really sort of a lanky a lanky kid in season in season one and i can remember watching the pilot and i think it was it's funny the memories that i have tied in um i think episode episode two of the show there was a, we had a power outage, and so I ended up missing, like, um, I don't know, like a quarter of the episode because of a power outage, and I ended up catching the show on a rerun or something. I don't remember exactly how because I don't think they were doing, they did reruns, all that. I don't know, but I ended up catching that episode later, but, you know, I have those, it's, it's just, I can remember very vividly watching Small and being so excited that there was going to be a new show about Superman, and I mean, it's, it's Clark, but it's really, you know, it's... It's Superman, but it's really Clark, and and it's Clark, and it's really Superman. They're all sort of tied together. Like this show is a Superman show, whether or not people want to say like this isn't a Superman show. It's a show about how Clark became Superman. Well, I my sort of thoughts about that is I think Superman is interesting to me, whether he's in the costume or not. I don't think I don't necessarily think that the costume has to make the character and i think smallville proves that because i think this show is unequivocally unequivocally a superman show but superman isn't even you know superman in the suit isn't even in it until the finale the series finale but i i've i remember all the discussions you know throughout the years with smallville being on of people griping about He's meeting certain people too soon. They're coming into his life. Perry White, you know, he's meeting Perry White during during high school. He's meeting Lois during high school. He's meeting all these people who he shouldn't meet until he's an adult. Well, just like I was talking about with Tay Nahasi Coates and as the new Superman writer for the movie, I think of and and the take we're going to get in the next movie. This is a different take. It is not. It's it's sort of an Elseworlds. It's it's in this version of the story, Clark met Perry in high school. I mean, there is there's we don't need to do any leaps in logic there. It just is what it is. This story plays out, and he meets these people years before we're used to him meeting them, 
but that's what happens. And I don't think like that's what happens in this telling of the story. Just like in Earth One, um, the comic, he things happen in his life that are that are different. And in the various takes of various origins, there's there's things that are different. And in this take, he meets people earlier, things happen differently. But that's the take. Like, I mean, this in this take we have a Chloe Sullivan who's a major who, who who's a major player in his life. You know, um and in which is not, you know, this is a character who is invented for the show and and she's not in she's not in anywhere else. And so in this version, this is this is the Superman that we get. We're not we're not breaking any continuity because what continuity are you supposed to be following when you say like he's meeting this person early? Is it because it hasn't happened in in other incarnations or and I don't want to belabor the point, but he's he's meeting them early, but what does that even you know, what bar or standard are we holding it to? Pre-crisis, post-crisis. Uh I mean there's there, you know, radio show, movies, serials. Uh, um, there's all kinds of like, what's the bar that we're holding the Superman to? And I guess as Superman fans, we all have those things that are precious to us, or those those things that we really hold dear, and that the Superman story that means the most to us. Um, but there's so many Superman stories, and Smallville is another Superman story, flat out. I think. Um, my personal favorite seasons were one through four, the high school years, and then I would say ten. And I gotta say that I'm surprised at just how much I liked season ten on my rewatch. Because I sort of, my memory, either I felt this way at the time, or my memory, it's how I'm remembering it, but I remember thinking season ten fits right in, you know, in the, you know, in quality with, you know, seasons seven, eight, and nine, it's not any better. And it's sort of, a, we're just trying to get to the end. Uh, but no, I don't think so. I don't, I think season 10, the show found a new foot. We, Chloe was gone for the most part. And I actually don't want to dog on Chloe, Allison Mack, uh, portrayed by Allison Mack, who's in quite a bit of hot, um, she's in the hot seat with some legal trouble, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone listening to this is aware of what's going on with Allison Mack, um, but I didn't mind her character in the early years. But I was never. I, I was never a huge Chloe fan, and then um, definitely in the middle years, she, I, 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 I never felt like they did that much interesting with her character. But then season ten, she's basically out of the season. I think she's in five episodes of season ten, and so we really get we really get a very close to a Superman show as we can get as in the sense that of the traditional Superman show, because I, I just spent five minutes, um, five minutes ranting about how Superman or Smallville is just another Superman incarnation. But if you want to watch us, I mean, if you want to sit somebody down who is a Superman quote unquote purist, and they have things that are supposed to, B, Clark works at the Daily Planet. He works with Lois, and he does these things. And I don't care about his upbringing in Smallville, and, and I have, I'm have i more of a traditionalist. Um, season 10, I think, is very close to to the classic Superman um, in, its, in the tropes that 
that are present. And I think that season 10 works really well. And I quite liked a lot of it. I mean, there was some filler, but I was surprised at just how much I liked season 10. I liked it a lot. I got to be honest, you know, seasons eight and nine and seven, they were sort of a slog. Some of them. I mean, there's, there's definitely some good gems in, in there, but I think there's a lot of filler. Um, and I think that they're, and I also, I mean, I, I think that that sort of filler even starts back at episode or season five. I think seasons one through four, they have Freak of the Week, but I wouldn't say that they're the show is spinning its wheels. I'll say, and I and I and I recognize I'm meandering sort of all over the place when I'm talking about this show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about um, seasons. I think beginning with season five, they didn't know how long the show was going to go, and it. And by that point, it had been going a while, so that you know they blew their load on a lot of the stuff in the early years. And I really do think that um, those beginning with season five, we really start spinning our wheels in terms of the mythology and things. And Jonathan Kent dies in season five, and we start spinning spinning our wheels. And as fans, we didn't know when this was going to end. And as the sh- the show the show didn't know when this was going to end, and it felt like spinning wheels. And season season ten, really, they knew that was the end game. I mean, they even say the opening of the series, the season premiere, you know, get ready or what, whatever they say, like re- like welcome to the. They usually would say like welcome to the season finale of or the season premiere of Smallville, and in this in season ten, they said something. I'm paraphrasing here, something something along the lines of. You know, welcome to the la- um, the last season of Small World. So like, like they knew that season ten that they had a a end date, and so I think they knew that and they worked towards it pretty well. Um, so I'm gonna step back and talk about the characters on the show because I haven't done that that much yet. Tom Welling, I think, fantastic. Clark Kent, um, he has those. He has those qualities. He has those. He can be a bumbling in season season one, episode one. He's you know he's a little bit bumbling. He knocks into Lana and she drops her books, and we get a little bit of that bumbling. But he's also he also um, has he isn't he isn't quite the Carrie Bates or um, uh, bumbling nerd. Carrie Bates isn't right. What did, who did Clark who did Christopher Reeve base his Clark Kent on? Well. I don't have to go all the way back to that reference. I I could say he's not as bumbling as Christopher Reeve was. And don't get me wrong, I love Christopher Reeve's portrayal of Clark, but we all know in Superman 1, he is that bumbling Clark Kent. And I think think Tom Welling really played, he really had that um, sort of of that in-between, where he wasn't quite a jock, even though he does play football uh, later in the show. But he wasn't a jock, but he wasn't a nerd. He 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 was bumbling, but he also was confident when he needed to be and and i think that the show worked really well and then and then next i we got to go to michael rosenbaum he's number two for lex luthor not the number two lex luthor he's number two on the show like that that show um really revolved around the dynamic between clark and lex especially those those early seasons and i think michael rosenbaum is a fantastic lex luthor you know i if i were to rank my Superman, my favorite Superman, hands down, no question, Christopher Reeve. But if I were to rank my Lex Luthor's, first of all, it's not as hands down decisive, but I'd really have to think about it. I'm not sure exactly, but Michael Rosenbaum would be at the top of that list. I mean, it's, it's, 
you know, uh, Gene Hackman and probably Michael Rosenbaum right at the t- right at the top. You know, as I'm spitballing here, thinking about it on the fly, and I, you know, dare I say that Michael Rosenbaum was my favorite Lex Luthor? I think I might. Now, to be fair, there's plenty of filler where I don't think Lex is the best, but if I take the best bits and sort of you know think about that character in aggregate, I think that Michael Rosenbaum might be my favorite Lex Luthor. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's saying something and, and give this show credit. I think they did fantastic casting because Michael Rosenbaum plays that role so well. And if anybody's listened to him, he has, he does a really cool podcast called inside of you where he, he interviews people. And, and if you listen to him, you can, you can tell just sort of a goof, how much of a goofball this guy actually is, but, and also how much of a ball of anxiety he is at the same time. You know, you can really get that from his podcast. Um, but he's so serious as Lex Luthor, and, and it, he, the role, he just owns that role, I think, and he does a great, great job. Then we got to go to Lana, played by Kristen Kruk. And uh, Lana, I was never, you know, there's there's camps that hate Lana. I don't really hate her, but she was she was always just fine to me. Uh, she was, she was never a standout favorite on the show. Um, but we needed somebody to be a love interest while Clark was in high school. And it definitely, um, Lana really fit that bill. I mean, I mean, Lana in my mind had less of a role that she needed to play once, once, um, Lois came into the show, uh, in season four and there was so much back and forth that it did get a little bit old and, I was never a huge Lana fan. Like I didn't, it didn't break my heart when she left the show. Uh, I'll say that, but she she did pretty well during the high school years. I would say post, I mean, post high school. I think Lana really didn't have anything to do. Personally, I feel that way. Um, and and uh, but during the high school years, I, I I don't have a problem with her, with her character at all. But post uh, during during the high school years, I mean. I don't really have a problem with her, but post the post high school seasons, eh, not my favorite character. Um, Chloe. So I've talked about Chloe a little bit already, but Chloe, I really, again, thought was a pretty good character during the high school years, but just never, they sort of just, I don't know. I just never glommed on as someone who I was really, truly invested in. She was just there. Um, and she's a big part of the show. And, but during the high school and but during the high school years, I think she 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 does a great job. Plus, she plays that that role of not being the skeptic. She's got the wall of weird. She's sort of the in. She's the tech person. She's the um, she plays that that role on the on the show. And she's she's got the contacts and she's got the knowledge and she can sort of give Clark, you know. If, if something weird is going down with a media freak on the show, well, Chloe's probably has an idea of what's going on. And so she, she, she played that role pretty well during the high school years. Um, John Glover, Lionel Luther, what a fantastic character. Um, especially because they were trying to establish Lex's relationship with Clark as friends early on in the show, but we still needed that Luthor villain. And so they did, I, I think they did a fantastic job crafting this character who for this show that was truly villainous from the beginning. And he had his a couple times, you know, he would waffle throughout the show kind of, I mean, there was times in the show where he was Clark's ally and, and whatnot. But 
I think the bread and butter of the show, again, I keep going back to those high school years because I, I, I truly do think that seasons one through four are really the bread and butter of this show. And especially even season, the early episode, the early seasons, Lionel is just so, such a snake. And the, the way he treats Lex and what he's doing to the town, what he's doing to Smallville, he's done it's done so well like you just hate lionel and you're supposed to but he, he's also you just can't when he's on the screen when 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 he's in a scene he elevates it and he makes the show a better show and i think he does a great job john glover does of portraying this character so we have pete ross portrayed by sam jones the third um in seasons one through three and he makes a cameo appearance later on but I'm not gonna it's just a filler episode for the most part sort of a bummer that a, a core cast comes back for just a filler episode later in season seven but he was a, a primary character in seasons one through three clark's best friend he learns the secret pretty early on and it's a it's a good show it's a it's a good um betrayal i think so th- this was an example of race bending sam jones the third was african-american and I think it was he did a great job. I liked the Pete character during when, during the seasons while he was on. I think he was somebody that Clark could talk to, and and he was a confidant. He knew his secret. They were best friends, and I think he worked really well. Um, so it was sort of a bummer when he left the show, and I don't. I think we lost a dynamic when he left the show, and then he got into his own legal trouble. So. I might, I've been toiling around with doing an episode, not on Superman curse, but just, I mean, I, I don't believe in curses, but there is bad luck when it comes to Superman. Um, I mean, we got, you know, Margot Killer. I mean, there's the obvious, you know, George Reeve, Christopher Reeve um, tragedies, but then, I mean, you have Margot Kid- Kidder, mental illness, home homelessness, and you get, you know, Sam Jones, the third, Allison Mack, you, um, Brian Singer controversy. Like, there's a lot of things that surround um, uh, Superman in the media, and it, uh, and so it's it's interesting. Um, Erica Durance as Lois Lane. I think she did a great job. I really liked um, Erica Durance's portrayal of Lois, and I think she grew into the role. I will say that. I really do think, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to keep giving praise to season 10. And season 10 really is the Clark and Lois season. I really think that they sort of carried it together as a duo. It was not just Clark in season 10. I really think that I earlier I was joking that you could na- rename the show Metropolis, but you could rename that show Lois and Clark. Or, I mean, probably more apt uh, Clark and Lois. But, you know, Lois and Clark has the traditional ring to it. You could have renamed it Lois and Clark. Um, the new new adventures of Superman, I guess, uh, or Lois and Clark, the new adventures of the Blur. If you you know uh, to go with Smallville, Smallville themes. So I did like her though. I, I'm I'm conflicted, but I think she grew into the role. And as I said, I think Erica Durant season ten. Um, and and who can't forget that that um, series uh, the series premiere of season four where lois is introduced i mean there's not i mean there's not much to actually say about lois personally but what an episode that's one of my favorite episodes of the show we get clark flying for the first time 
Um, and then, of course, in Smallville fashion, it gets he can't remember it, et cetera, et cetera. So, if, so as I mentioned, if I were to watch this show again, I would I would rewatch this show, but I would not watch all the filler episodes. I would make a list. I would go through. I mean, and there's a couple of I believe Superman homepage has a list of has a list of these uh, has a list curated. Uh, for episodes you should watch episodes important to to mythology i would probably start there and then i would see and then i'd also review what episodes were not on that list because they have the important episodes that you need to watch for superman mythology advancing the story major milestones etc etc and but i also would double check that list for myself and see like is there anything that's any of my favorite episodes that are not on this list and then add those. But I bet it would shake out to be about a hundred episodes of the show or so about five seasons, about five seasons worth of the show. Um, I played the, for the opening of this episode of blue and gold, I played the end credits theme. And I quite like the, the end credits, the, the theme that was established for Superman, uh, for, for this show. Um, but it gets overshadowed by it gets overshadowed by Remy Zero's um, "Save Me," which is the, obviously the opening credits, and I think that the the theme gets a little short shrift. I don't mind Remy Zero's "Save Me," but it's not my it's not my uh, favorite. You know, I mean, it grew on me after years of listening to it. But the end credits theme I think is fantastic, and I don't. I'm I'm ashamed to say that even though I'm doing a episode. Uh, talking all about Smallville. I, I don't know when this theme was introduced. It's, I know they changed composers because I don't know when this happened, but the composer for the early seasons, at least, was Mark Snow, who, and those early seasons, really the music really feels like X-Files. And so if you watch the X-Files, the X-Files was done, the music was also done by Mark Snow, and it felt, it had a certain feel to it. And Smallville... Smallville also had that same that same X Files patina on it, uh, except for then later seasons they didn't, and so I don't know when that theme was introduced. Uh, uh, you know, there'll be egg on my face if it was right there from episode one. Mark Snow composed that theme as well. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the case, but maybe it maybe it was. But I'll be honest, gr- um, during the first watch of the show, because they would always you'd barely ever get to see the end credits because they'd always lead into the next show or whatever. And it was only watching on a Hulu that you really even, or at least I really got to appreciate the end credits and, and the music um, that they would play during the end credits, um, which wasn't always the same, by the way, sometimes it'd be a little variation, a little, uh, a little bit of, uh, if, if the episode ended on more of a serious cliffhanger, there might be more of a, a little, little bit more bassy to the to the and a little bit more um, lower notes for the theme. And if it was, you know, ended more triumphantly, then you'd maybe get a little bit, uh, you know, a little higher notes, a little more of the the heroic um, the heroicness to it. But I quite like the theme. Um, one thing that I think is the the show would sometimes do a, a few too many wink and nods to the Superman mythology, uh, a little bit too much. You know, I you know I like Clark with the uh, blue shirt and the red the red coat as much as anyone, but they would do a lot of on the nose things. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I should have wrote some of them down or looked them up, but you know things like you're where you referencing um, 
you know, a wink and a nod towards the audience that you know Superman is going to be, or Clark is going to be Superman in the future, right? Right? Wink, wink, based on whatever comment somebody made, or they, it was very foreshadowing, but also very on the nose a lot of the time. And I think that's about the notes that I'm, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I did this show justice. I don't, I really don't feel like I, I mean, I've been talking, uh, for a little while on the show and I could keep going for a, a lot longer. Maybe I will at some point have to have a Smallville, um, follow-up episode, but I think I'll wrap it up here. I really think the show is great. I really think that Tom Welling is a excellent Clark Kent, and there's a lot of filler, though. So when I say the show is great, if you take the best of Smallville, it has some really high highs, but it also has low lows. You know, there's really some cringy episodes, and... There's there's episodes like this. There are definitely episodes that are slogs to get through. But in general, I really like the show. Um, I think it stands right up there as the, in the pantheon of great Superman entertainment. Um, I do want to shout out that... Or call out, I shouldn't say shout out. But I want to call out that I have not read the all of the season 11 comics that came after now that i finished the series maybe i'll start back from the beginning and read those um they also i know uh boucher gold is actually in some of those issues and i was going to mention that in the uh segment talking about booster gold the booster gold um smallville version of booster gold but i think that the show has a lot of great great episodes some i mean some all-time classic like when clark first gets red kryptonite uh christopher reeve how could i almost ended this without talking about um dr swan and uh, right that's his name dr swan and christopher reeve being on the show that season two episode oh how exciting i still remember how excited I was that Christopher Reeve was going, he's coming back to the Superman universe. He was going to be on Smallville. And that episode didn't disappoint. It's, we were introduced to, or Clark learns about Krypton and that episode is an all time. And that's an all time great Superman piece of media. Um, that could be one of, I mean, I don't know if that's the best Smallville episode. It doesn't have really much action in it. But that's an all-time great. Like, how awesome is it that Christopher Reeve came back to the Superman universe? He wasn't playing Clark, Clark Kent, and it was post-accident, so he was in his wheelchair. And But he came back to the Superman universe, it, and he's teaching Clark Kent about his Kryptonian heritage. How awesome was that? Okay, that actually, I, I would have been kicking myself if I did not talk about that. Um, on this, on on this, on this Smallville, this brief Smallville episode, and I say brief because I could have a whole series talking about Smallville, talking, you know, and there's a lot. I mean, it's it's ten seasons of a show, and I'm talking about it all at once. Versus, I've spent you know portions of this episode of this show talking about just one issue of a comic. And so I'm talking, you know, lumping 10, ish, 10 seasons of a show. I'm definitely not doing it justice. So 
I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the Smallville segment, though. And let's move on to Smallville Season 10, Episode 18, Booster Gold. So that was from the theme, Booster Gold, from the Smallville soundtrack. Uh, that was track 26. So it's kind of cool. Booster actually does have a theme. And he was only in one episode of Smallville, but he has a theme. And it's pretty, I don't, I mean, it's not It's not great, but it's just cool that Booster has a theme to begin with. Uh, there's n- not tons of characters that have uh comic characters that have themes and so to have i mean as much as i love him i always say though he's a b-level character at best and to have a b-level character get their own theme that's pretty cool so let me write let me do the synopsis here courtesy of wikipedia while lois helps clark to develop a mild-mannered persona superhero booster gold shows up from the future to try to take the spotlight from the blur clark confronts booster and informs him that he is a true, or that a true hero is not made by the suit they wear, but by who they are inside. A young teen, Jaime Reyes, comes in conflict with alien technology that encases him in a weaponized robotic suit, thus becoming Blue Beetle. Unable to control the suit, Jaime begins destroying property and injuring people. Inspired, Booster recounts Clark's words to Jaime and helps him gain control over the suit. Afterward, Clark convinces Booster to mentor Jaime. All right, so that's the synopsis. This episode was, uh, from again, as I mentioned, Season 10, Episode 18, written by Jeff Johns, and actually directed by Tom Welling. So that's pretty cool. Tom Welling directed this episode. And it's, it's to date, the only live-action booster that we've got. Um, booster is played by Eric Marstoff. And I don't. the only thing I know him from is this episode of this show, but he's apparently a soap opera um star or uh, i don't know if you go star but he's he's done a lot of soap opera work and this is the first episode with clark wearing glasses regularly um he's season 10 he's really trying to they're really trying to you know to fit in those superman um tropes that maybe are haven't been part of the show up until now and trying to get him all set up and in place to be the superman that everybody expects him to be uh at the end of the series and so here he's starting to wear his he's starting to wear glasses um i've never been crazy about jaime not because i have an issue with um an issue with hispanic or anything relating to that going all the way back to the what we were discussing before i just like ted better and that's my blue beetle um and the blue beetle that i'm really familiar with and so I've never been a big Jaime fan, and I always feel like there has to be the caveat that it's not because he says he's Hispanic or anything. He's just n- not the character that I'm a fan of, but because he's Blue Beetle, 
the third Blue Beetle, he gets there's a lot of interaction between Booster and Jaime in the comics, and um, here the 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 Blue Beetle that we get in this episode is Jaime. Ted uh, Cord is in this episode, but just briefly. Um, I love that. So actually, let's take a step back. I think Booster's costume is really cool for the Smallville budget. We we know that Smallville, um, the, the the costumes on that show, when they actually had costumes, because usually they would try to get away with just having the sort of a stylized version of regular clothes, something that is reminiscent of of the character. I mean, take for instance, you know, uh, uh, take for instance, uh, we got Bart as. Uh, the Flash, and you know he's in his red hoodie and whatnot, evoking the Flash and Flash colors, and and um and that that red imagery, um that's usually what Smallville would do, and so but every on the on the rare occurrences where there'd actually be a costume, you know Smallville didn't have the highest. I feel like Smallville did definitely didn't have the highest budget for costumes, but I think Booster's costume works pretty well. It's sort of a one one piece uh kind of like if you can imagine like a, a race car driver's like sort of jumpsuit kind of it reminds me of that um take a look at the uh image that's in the sh- that's in the show notes for uh for the show you can see I, I put an image of booster gold in there you can just google smallville booster gold and you'll see it also if you if you but if you're if you're a booster gold fan i really hope that you will have seen the episode and um can judge for yourself, but I think it works pretty well, pretty well for the show. Um, I like the glasses. If we're going to do sort of some of the small vilification of a costume, Booster has sort of these, you know, gold or uh, glasses, but they have, you know, sort of, um, sort of yellowish frames that, you know, because Booster's got to have like some yellowish going a yellow visor or something going over his eyes the way that we expect booster to and so they did they did they did they did the sort of the glasses thing here and and it works i think um we we get the um the logo like multiple points in this show or in this episode we get booster gold's logo because he's sort of a showman and he's trying to sell himself as booster does and we get the and booster has a logo in in in, in this show and it's interesting because it's a it's a mix of the volume one and volume two logos from the comics. It's the volume two logo for all of the letters except for the S for Booster, where it's the dollar sign from you know what typical of what we would see in the volume one logo. And so it's it's kind of cool. It's it's a mix, and I never noticed that until I've watched this episode multiple times. Um, this is an episode that I'll revisit just because it's got a Booster in it. And so I'll revisit it every now and then. I had, until I was watching the episode and taking notes for this episode, for the show here, I had never, I hadn't noticed the the combining of the two logos. So that's kind of cool there. I got to say that I love the booster babes, as I call them, where Booster is really trying to, you know, put on a show. I, um, and he's sort of like, he's advertising something and, you know, or or no, he's getting the key to the city, I think, and he's um he's making a big show of it, and so he's got these uh these pretty these pretty hot women that are in booster gold outfits, you know. I gotta say, I don't mind, 
I didn't mind that at all, seeing the booster babes, as I as I like to call them. Very sexy. Um, you get booster signing Dan Jurgens, or you get booster gold signing t-shirts with uh, the Dan Jurgens drawn Superman from volume two, which was had to have been coming out right about this time was that issue of volume two that has the... Uh, the particular um, logo that I'm talking about, uh, an image of Booster Gold. I believe it's on a cover, a Volume 2 cover, and I'm blanking on that. Um, but that was cool. And we get Skeets. We don't get Skeets physically, but he's the in the earpiece. And so we get um, Skeets as a cameo, a voice, a voice at least. Um, I don't know who the voice of Skeets is. Not bad. I would have liked to have had a little bit more personality. I mean, we're used to the sort of the wisecracking, um, sort of dry humor skeets. Uh, and here, not quite so much, but at least he's there. At least we got um, Booster talking to skeets, uh, even though it would have been cool if there was the budget to actually have skeets on the show. Uh, if you check out any of the Smallville Season 11 comics that Booster is in, and... I actually haven't even read all of them myself. I've been meaning to sit down and read some more of them, but I have the, there's a trade paperback called Argo. I think it's just, I think it's just Argo and Booster plays a little minor role in there, but we get in, in, in the season 11 comics, you get um, Skeets. And so it's a, uh, he's a silver, he's a silver ball. So that's a difference. That's a difference in the Smallville continuity. Although I would say that the comics are sort of like an offshoot. Like I don't really consider the comics to be true in canon continuity. Um, they do jump off of, you know, the starting point is the uh, TV show. And so for the comics, I think the TV show is obviously canon. But I don't know if for the TV show, the comics are canon, if that makes sense. Um, especially given the which I did not talk about this in the in the previous segment, talking about Smallville in general, but there's also the segment of the Crisis crossover where we get Tom Welling and um, Erica Durant coming back to portray Clark and um, Lois. And so I, I definitely don't know if the comics sort of are in continuity with what we find out in that show. I mean, they could fit in, in between because um, we find out that Clark has given up his powers and is leading a, a quote-unquote regular life with with Lois on the farm. And so I don't know if you can sort of jive and make sense of the season 11 comics with, with that because I do think that that is in continuity. If you have the actor coming back, and playing that role, like that is for sure in my, at least in my head, like that is um, in continuity. It goes like uh, if I were to ever do a rewatch of, you know, not if, but when if I do a, I keep saying if, when I do a rewatch of Smallville in the future, again, I said I wouldn't watch all the episodes. Um, I'd watch just the key episodes. But that crisis piece is a piece I would watch. I would watch the finale and then I'd watch that crisis piece which is exactly what i did i finished episode or the season finale and then i watched that episode unfortunately it's not in supergirl it's in the batwoman episode which which is funny the the batwoman episode of the crisis cw crossover is the most superman centric of them all um when you think it would have been supergirl it's just sort of funny the way that worked out but 
Um, getting back to getting back to Booster Gold on Smallville, um, he has the Legion ring, which is pretty cool, which ties into Jeff Johns' previous episode uh, that he wrote involving the Legion. And so I don't know if he did that. I, I don't think he did that on purpose. I think he wanted to introduce the Legion, and then he wanted to introduce Booster Gold. And then he didn't have to set up the Legion flight ring, really. He's already introduced that on the show. And so we get that. So that's kind of cool. I do have to say, going back to, I'm not a huge fan of Jaime. I do think that the Blue Beetle costume is pretty badass. The Jaime's Blue Beetle costume is pretty cool. I sort of wish it was just Ted underneath there, but the design of Jaime's costume is pretty cool. And to see it done in live action, I thought it was pretty cool. I've seen, I was doing a little bit of just looking around online and I see people saying that, you know, it's sort of the VR Troopers, uh, Power Rangers, um, you know, in Smallville with with uh, Blue Beetle. But I think it works pretty well. And then you have those Iron Man, uh, Robert Downey Jr. type shots from inside the helmet with Blue Beetle. I don't know those if those worked all that well, but it was interesting. <laughs> um there's a really awesome phone booth change for Clark in this episode that I think is really awesome. Um, you know, it's that classic Superman imagery of Clark in a phone booth, and it worked really well, really, really cool. They 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 got into Booster's origin a little bit into in in this episode, but they blew through it pretty quick. Um. One of my notes I took for this episode was if you weren't a Booster fan or if you didn't know anything about Booster Gold, like, did you catch what? I mean, he, like, it's like just a couple of sentences. Like, I feel like you'd still be confused. What? Who's this character? I mean, I'm the target audience for this show, a Superman show, but I'm also in particular the target audience for this episode, a Booster episode on a Superman show. Of course, I'm like the Mark of Marks for this episode and it went by the origin went by quick you know so i got it but i they could have spent a little bit more time on booster oh i i didn't mention when booster um first first uh appeared in the opening of the episode he, he sort of get a quick you know sort of uh boisterous booster of course and then he flies off that, that effect was pretty cool i thought that was worked really well um you know, they spent a little bit of money, at least on that, uh, that, that effect shot. Um, you, you got the wrist gauntlets here. Pretty cool. Um, it's funny cause he's, I, I wrote down just the line that booster says, you got to brand it, baby. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely, um, volume one early issues booster where he's still all about, all about making that money and still learning to be a hero. Booster, as I mentioned, Booster is in the season eleven comics, and um, the but there's not much to it. Like I might, as you know, maybe I'll talk about this Booster in a specific episode, a specific topic regarding Booster's appearances in the Smallville comic. I actually probably will, but there's not much to it. Like he's not in a ton. You don't get. Uh, that much more but uh, but you do get more you do get more booster in the smallville universe um not a ton but but 
some is, I mean, some booster is better than nothing, right? This episode is also where we really get the start of the bumbling Clark on purpose. This is where Smallville's writers want, decided that they needed to, as I mentioned earlier, with the glasses, like they they, they got to start fitting in these tropes as they gear up to end the show because they really want to have Superman at the end of the show be at the point of being the quote-unquote classic Superman. Even though I've said earlier that they didn't need to do that. Like, the show, there is no classic. There's so many versions that every version has something different, some different aspect to it that wasn't part of the other versions. And so, and, and I even fall into that trap of saying this is this or that is a classic Superman trope. I mean, I mean, there are class, I mean, there are classic Superman tropes, but I don't feel like this Clark in this universe needed to develop into the bumbling Clark, but they decided to go that route a little bit and try to protect his identity. And this is, this episode really sort of uh, makes that, uh, makes that happen. What I kind of like is this episode is special because it's a booster episode, but it, it's the start. We, we get the glasses, and we even though I'm saying we don't need those tropes, <coughs> pardon me. Even though we don't need those tropes, they are familiar to us Superman fans. So it is kind of cool here. Like this would not be a filler episode, I don't think. I'd have to cross-reference the Superman homepage list, but if of the essential episodes, I don't think this is one you can skip. Um, you know. Hopefully nobody would ever skip, but of course it's a booster episode. We gotta, you know, you never skip a skip booster. But if you are a non-booster fan and you're just doing a rewatch of Smallville and you only want to watch those key episodes, I think there's enough development in the Clark and Superman personas that you would need to watch this for the because this is this is where we get some of those traits, some of the some of those personality traits and, and quirks and things that Clark does to hide his his Superman personality from the world. So that's my synopsis of sort of my notes on pardon me while I get some water here. I'm talking for talking for all this time. But those those are my notes on Smallville. This is my Smallville episode. I was excited to finally finish Smallville. Because I've been watching the my I, I I didn't mention this earlier, even though I've mentioned it on a previous episode. I've been doing my rewatch for about four years now. It's funny though; I pounded through um, the last three seasons of the show in the last month or so. Um, but I would just I, I think I mentioned this. I would just watch my episodes because nobody else in the family wants to watch them with me. Um, and what's funny? Oh. Actually, I should. I'll talk about this for a second. Um, I'm, I'm going to end the Booster Gold segment, so I'm going to go back to some general Smallville talk here for a moment. I never realized that the show could be taken as scary, but almost every episode of the show, my kids um, at the time, you know, about you know my, my my son's seven now, but let's say when he was five and six, the show would be on, and there was imagery. Like almost every every episode that would frighten him a little bit, it, what, whether or not it was somebody getting shot, um, or just Lex in a lab, or Lex doing this or that, or running experiments, or 
the freak of the week villain doing something villainous or whatever it was. I never actually thought about it, but the show like was uh, quite scary uh, quite often when I would have the show on. Uh, my son would close his eyes a lot of the times, if, or if he's walking through the room, he would uh, like. There's definitely parts that would freak him out, but then he'd want to know what's going on. He's. It's funny. My son is definitely sort of like gets freaked out, but doesn't want to, but still wants to know what's going on, like what's happening. It just doesn't. The visual sometimes just uh, sensory overload and. Uh, and sort of a, a little little scary. Um, but I actually didn't even realize that um, could be interpreted. Or like, because I was almost an adult when the show started. And it was, you know, and then it was all throughout my adult life. But it, there there is some intense imagery for, for children. Like, it would probably be rated like a... a I, I actually don't know. I was, I was going to say it probably would be rated. But... There's always those TV ratings that, um, you know, up in the corner, but I feel like I've ignored those my entire life. So I don't know what ratings they would give Smallville, but it's a show that, you know, probably is, you know, teenage, you know, age, tween age, I would say. It, it, it um, at least uh, in my household, it was a little bit intense. There would be, and it was not in free, and it was pretty frequent. Almost every episode, there was, because there's villains to fight, but there, when there's villains to fight, there's probably something villainous, villainous that they're doing, and whatever they're doing that's villainous could is could be a little bit uh, unnerving or or confusing or scary to to young kids, uh, which I had not appreciated. So uh, something that I had to take into account, and so I actually stopped uh, showing it as much when I was doing dishes and things. Um, the other thing I didn't mention when I was talking about my general thoughts on Smallville is sort of the, I I think it's kind of a cool take, but like how kryptonite was the driving factor in so much of this show. The Freak of the Week villains were all usually meteor, you know, meteor infected, especially the early seasons of the show. It was almost all entirely driven by, by meteor. So the kryptonite um, causing changes due to, um, doing whatever to creating the creating the freak of the week um somehow but it was almost always through kryptonite memes and i kind of liked how how that was done um and i want to give a shout out to the early seasons where clark is learning about his powers and whenever we would you'd, you'd always get an, an episode and that whole episode the whole point was sort of learning about the powers and it just so happens that whatever whoever the freak of the week was, he has to utilize his new found power to to defeat that villain. And I gotta say, it sort of gets joked around, but I thought it was brilliant, and I still sort of do that heat vision, heat, you know, heat lust it sort of plays tied in, and so um, being lustful and horny to put it um, in, um, um, bluntly is sort of what triggers the heat vision and that analogy. And, and, uh, that I think is, um, was really, was, was, was really sort of a creative and novel way to have that heat vision, the heat vision be triggered. So I, I want to call out the heat vision in particular, but just in general, I always liked whenever a new power was introduced in those early, in the early seasons, it was always cool. It was another mythology, like adding to the mythology, like, Ooh, so, so, you know, you get to see, another thing that you know is part of Superman's history and you know he has super hearing. So then you get the episode where he learns all about his super hearing. Um, oh, shout out to going all the way back to the episode start 
talking about Superman and Lois, um, super smell, <laughs> Tyler Hecklin saying that he has um, super smell. He just doesn't use it very often, especially in a household of two, two teenage boys. It's a little, you know, can be a little gross. <laughs> so shout out to that. All right, everyone. I have been rambling on for long enough. Please write in. I, I love feedback. Always, always, always love feedback. I love interaction. Um, so write in at bluegoldpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.